Hey everyone, this is Matt with another Overflow Pod. You ever wonder if God hears your prayers? Why doesn't he just answer them? Why do some prayers get answered and others don't? When you're in a crisis, why sometimes it feels like every prayer is answered? And then in another crisis, you hear nothing but silence? In this pod, our, our last part of our Daniel testing series on this last test, it's how to pray to God in a crisis. How to pray the kind of prayer that God answers. To be honest, I am first speaking to myself. There is nothing I need to hear more right now in this moment than this. I was visiting my dad in the hospital when I ran into a childhood friend. She was visiting her in-laws who had cancer. Her husband and I go way back. We weren't just friends, but he holds a special place in my life. Because when I had my motorcycle accident, he was in the ambulance who showed up on the scene. And not only was he there, but he helped stop me from bleeding out, dying right there on the pavement. Not only did he save my life, but he also talked to the cop who was about to write me a speeding ticket based on someone saying that my motorcycle was so loud, I must have been speeding. There are so many things wrong with that statement. (laughs) Especially if you don't know anything about bikes or if you have a modified muffler pipe, which I had. He talked the cop out of that ridiculous idea. And now his family needs prayer in their crisis. Maybe you too are going through a crisis and what you need is prayer or more how to pray. There are six steps we see modeled in Daniel's life and in the prayer in this chapter on how to pray a prayer that God answers. And in this pod, we will focus on the first step. That first step is let God speak to me before I speak to him. This is called the listening step. You listen to the voice of God. Now, how do you do that? Well, I'm going to explain. There's a principle you need to understand first, and it's this. God always makes the first move in your life. You don't. God is always the initiator of everything in your life, and you are the responder. God never expects you to make the first move. It's kind of like dating, right? Growing up, the guy always asked the girl out from like 40 years ago. I remember like no girl asked the guy out, no matter what. It was like an unwritten rule. And it was a pain for me as a guy. And I'm sure on the other side, the girls would always complain. Why hasn't he asked me out yet? Does he even like me? And down the rabbit hole, they would go into thoughts that only another woman would understand. Us guys had no idea. Today, that's no longer the case as girls don't always wait. They make the first move. Sometimes guys really like that. (laughs) Other times, not so much. It's, It's all personal preference. But God always makes the first move. The first step, listening to God. I read a little bit of his word. I let God speak to me, and then I talk to him. We love God because he first loved us. We wouldn't love God if he didn't do that. See, God loved us for a long time before you ever loved him. The Bible says that we serve God because he first served us. Yet he knew we had a problem, so he sent Jesus to die on a cross for us long before we even knew we had a problem or long before we were even born. He served us before we served him. The Bible says we give to God because he first gave to us. Everything you have in your life is his gift. The air you breathe, your life, your mind, your brain, everything is a gift from God. And God will never ask you to do something he hasn't already done for you. So the reason we pray, the reason we talk to God is because God has first talked to us. 
In this book, the Bible written over 3,500 plus years, different authors that God inspired to write these words down, that he wanted written down, passed on to all of us. There are literally thousands upon thousands of promises from God to you. And what we do in prayer is we claim these promises that God has said to us. Now, as we start in chapter 9, Daniel is now an old guy. He's 85. The first uh, pod we did on this, Daniel was only 15 years old. It's been 70 years. He's now gone through multiple changes in his life, test after test after test. He keeps getting promoted higher and higher. He's now served three different kings. We know that the Babylonians defeated the Assyrians and then the Persians defeated the Babylonians. So now he's got a new boss. He's survived every administration and no matter what the government has gone around him, he keeps getting promoted. But he wants to go home before he dies. He's 85. And he knows that God has said in the book of Jeremiah that you'll be in Babylon for 70 years. Well, it's been 70 years. And I'm going to bring my people back to Israel. He knows time's up, but he also knows that the people, Israelites, have not turned back to God. Daniel chapter 9, verse 1 and 2, it says, In the first year of Darius, son of Xerxes, a Mede by descent, who was made ruler over the Babylon kingdom, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood from the scriptures according to the word of the Lord given to Jeremiah the prophet that the desolation of Jerusalem would last 70 years. He understood the word. Or other translations, he studied or learned the word, studied the scriptures. So you never pray effectively until you study the scriptures, until you learn from the word, until you get into the Bible every single day. The more you know about the Bible, the more prayers you're going to have answered. And if you're ignorant about the, the book, the Bible, the more prayers, you don't know what to pray. You don't know when to pray. You don't know how. You don't know the promises that God has made to you. You got to read a little bit of his book every single day of your life so that you can learn these promises that God has given you. John 15, 7, here's a promise. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you, Jesus said. If you stay connected to me and my words remain in your heart, what's he talking about? The Bible. These words remain in your heart. He gives two conditions. You may ask any request you want in prayer and it will be given to you. You can ask whatever you want in prayer and it will be given to you. Now he says, notice this first. If I'm praying and I'm not getting an answer, the first thing I need to check is whether I'm meeting these two conditions. Am I staying connected to God? God, is there anything between you and me that's out of whack? Is there any fellowship broken? Is there anything in my life that I know is wrong? And you know it's wrong. And you said for me to get it right. And I haven't gotten it right yet. That is a break in the connection with God. But he said, if you stay connected to me, you're in harmony with me. So you can ask anything you want in prayer and it will be done. If I'm not getting the answer, that's one of the two problems. It's one of the two conditions that need to be met. Daniel's saying, I'm going to study the word. I'm going to have it in me. And the more you fill your mind with the word, the Bible, the more you memorize the verses, the more answers you're going to have in your life. And there's nothing more important than to teach you a habit of having a little bit of daily reading and praying, talking to God a couple, three times a day, because it'll revolutionize your life. Men, it'll make you a strong man. It'll make you more confident. It'll make you less fearful. Same thing for women. It'll make you a stronger woman. It'll give you more confidence. It'll make you less fearful. 
If you will develop a habit of multiple times a day, you have a conversation with God, you let him talk to you and you talk to him and you'll handle your stress better and it will improve every area of your life. You see, in chapter one, Daniel was worried about the crisis in his life. And so he starts reading this book by Jeremiah. Now, here's the thing. Daniel and Jeremiah are contemporaries. They lived in the same time when Babylon crushed Israel. Daniel is taken captive as a prisoner of war to Babylon. However, Jeremiah is left behind in a defeated, broken city called Jerusalem. And in Jeremiah's book, God tells him those guys are going to be gone there for 70 years. Daniel reads this and he starts getting hope. Here's what you want to know. What Daniel read, Jeremiah 29, 10 to 12. God says this to you. You will be kept in Babylon for 70 years, but then I'll keep my gracious promise to bring you back to your home again. For I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord. I have good plans for you, not plans for your disaster. My plans will give you hope in a future. In those days when you pray, I will listen. Now, that's a very famous verse in the Bible, but we often leave off that last phrase, which says, in those days when you pray, I will listen. You can miss it. So you can miss God's plan and purpose for your life. In fact, most people miss it. He said, there are two factors. I promise to rescue you. I'm going to bring you back home. I'm going to do the things you need done in your life. But there are two factors involved in your fulfilling your purpose in life. Write these down if you can. Or just remember them. The two factors are God's timing and my praying. God's timing and my praying. God says, I got a plan for your life. I didn't make you without a purpose. I created you for a purpose and a plan. And my plan for you is good, but it has a timetable. He says to these guys specifically, I'm not going to cut my short my plan. You're going to be in Babylon for 70 years. I'm not going to cut it one day short. You're not coming home one day sooner. When the time is right to fulfill your plan, you're all going to go back home. You're going to have to do something. You're going to have to pray. And when you pray, I will listen. I want you to notice this. This is a very important verse in the Bible. Here we see God's sovereignty. He's in control. And we also see your responsibility. You got something to do. God determines the timing of his plan and purpose for your life. But when the timing is right, you still are going to have to pray. James 4, 2 says, you desire, but do not have. So you kill, you covet, but you cannot get what you want. So you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. God has timing, but you have praying. Some things have not happened in your life because you've never asked God for them. You've never asked God to do them for you in your life. And he says, I intend to do it when I'm ready. That's timing. But you got to pray for it to happen. Because we don't have because we don't ask. Now, this can leave a little quandary in our lives. And you've gone through this before. How do you know when I'm waiting on God? And how do I know when God is waiting on me? If I've asked God and we are connected and he has not answered yet, then I'm waiting on his timing and I need to be patient. On the other hand, if I have something really great that I like for God to do in my life, and I've always wanted God to do it, but I've never asked, I've never asked him to do it. I've never asked for his help. I never asked for his guidance. Then God is waiting on you. So if you haven't prayed about it, you, you don't have it because you haven't asked. So what do you really want in your life? What do you really, really want, but you've never asked God for it? 
Did you know that the Bible says you can ask God for anything? Seriously, anything. And in any situation, especially if you're in a crisis. The past couple of weeks have been very hard on me. My stepmother was in the hospital and developed COVID. She got progressively worse. And my dad could not even go in and visit her, which made him angry. He eventually let him in. And he would go every day to the hospital, but he couldn't even see her because she was in quarantine. He would spend hours with her outside of her room in our hallway. My dad then got sick. I believe he got COVID from her, but he didn't get tested or anything because he's a stubborn old guy. He continued to visit his wife, but on November 17th, about three weeks since she's been in the hospital, he drove home and got into a severe accident. He ended up at the hospital. His truck, I believe, totaled from what I could see from the wreck at the junkyard. He had some blood on the brain. He tested positive for COVID. He got progressively worse. His respiratory system failed. He was put on a ventilator. Eight days later, I was called. They wanted me to come in and make a decision. I thought for a second it was for my stepmother. But when they said my dad, I was shocked. I didn't even know he was in the hospital. Why didn't they call me before this? So I went into the hospital that Friday night and I came to the MICU and saw my dad. He was on the ventilator and the doctor came out and told me that they needed to move his lines from his arm to his jugular. But it was somewhat risky and he could die from it, from a complication. But if they didn't do it, the ventilator couldn't keep up. So I then found out he also had pneumonia and an infection. He was unconscious. I couldn't talk to him. I authorized the surgery as I pretty much had no other choice. I left the hospital as they prepared him for the procedure. I left in a daze. This came out of left field. My stepmother is in the hospital and her dementia has grown dramatically in the last couple weeks. Since she's been out of familiar territory, my dad is not there. I don't know if he'll ever be there. So how do I pray? How do I ask God to save his life? I was lost. See, as I was walking through the MICU, it was filled with people fighting for their lives. Families in tears. I know that not all of us would make it out. How could I pray for my dad knowing, making knowing that some other family may not make it? Will God even answer my prayer? What do I, what do I even want to pray? All those people, all those suffering every day in the MICU, all those people, what do I do? What do I pray? Am I selfish just to pray for my dad? Do I pray for other people? I didn't know what to do. I don't know what to think. For the first time since I lost my beagle, Zephyr, I cried. The situation was completely out of my hands and I was lost. I didn't know what to pray. So my first prayer on the way there was help. That's it, one word. I need you, God. On the way home, I came to believe the odds are against my dad making out of the Mickey alive. I kept calling out to God on the way home. What now? What do I do? What do I want? I didn't even know how to pray. So I just went back to God's promises in his word. I was so distraught. So I asked God, I said, God, I know what I want. I want peace. I mean, of course I want to ask my God to heal my dad, but I mostly asked him to give me peace. Peace that passes understanding. I didn't know how to fall asleep that night, let alone live the next day, let alone live the last couple of weeks. I did get a phone call that night that the procedure went well and that now we're in the waiting game. He promised 
he would call or somebody would, would if anything good or bad happened. I read the Bible that night and just held on to his promise that he'll be with me and that he loves me. That's what I needed to know. I'm not alone. I know God doesn't always do miracles. I always wonder if I used up all of mine since he's done so many in my life. So many. I've seen people that he's healed and I've seen people who he hasn't. But I made it to the next day. How do you pray in a crisis? If you want to pray, the very first step you got to do is to listen to God. I read a little bit of his word every single day since then. Let God speak to me. Then I talk to him. That's how I know what to pray. By just listening to what he has to say. And then I just repeat his promises back. Next pod, I'll let you know what happens next with my dad and what Daniel says on how to pray. I don't have all the answers. I don't know everything. And maybe I'm not the person who's an expert in this area. I just know that I'm in a crisis and I'm going to try to follow what Daniel says on how to pray. So if you're in a crisis with me, holidays are just awful to have stuff go wrong, but it does. It's almost like a magnet for problems. It's what I've seen in my life. So if you're with me, first, read a little bit of his word, listen to God, and then return back his promises. And next week, we'll look at steps two and forward, as well as I'll tell you an update on my dad. God bless. I'll see you next pod.